Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the Friday Reporter Podcast. It's a podcast where me, Lisa, the host, interviews journalists and the journalism adjacent about their work. The Friday Reporter Podcast is in partnership with PR Daily. And if you don't know about PR Daily, it is a tremendous uh, resource for communicators like myself and you and and the folks you work with. Uh, PR Daily actually just launched what's called the PR Daily Leadership Network. It's a peer-to-peer brainstorming and networking opportunity for mid-level communicators, uh, access to uh, measurement of SEO, uh, business fluency, presentation training, lots of other opportunities there at prdaily.com. If you're interested in the PR Daily Leadership Network, be sure to mention that you heard about it on the Friday Reporter Podcast to receive $500 off of your membership. Well, hello, and thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the Friday Reporter Podcast. Today's episode is with Lance Turner, and Lance is the editor of the of Arkansas Business, and Lance is a nominee from our friend Brian Adams. Uh, Lance, thanks so much for being with me today. Thanks for having me. So I, uh, first off, every review from Bryant has been uh, solid gold. So I'm super looking forward to this conversation. He, uh, you know, in my preparation for conversations, always Lance, I do a little um, background, you know, sort of investigating my own self okay. just to get a sense of the flavor of the work that you're doing. It is, uh, Arkansas is, is a booming, the economy itself is, is sort of, is booming in a way that is really to me, um, perhaps hopeful for, for other states. Uh, but I won't be the one to report on that because you are steeped in that every single day. <laughs> I'm curious, though, uh, will you tell me a little bit about your background and how you got started in journalism? Sure. Uh, you know, I have, uh, I, I think I was one of those kids who, um, well, I, I did do this. I don't think I remember doing it. I, I would, uh, when I was little, um, you know, probably into junior high, I would confess, uh, would would host the pretend radio show in my room. Uh, I had one of those drafting desks in my room where I would uh-huh. draw on stuff, and then I would host the radio show from from there. And I would, when I was even smaller, I would type up the weather report on my typewriter and go stand in front of my closet door with the map and do the weather. I, love and it. I was always sort of really interested in media, newspapers, TV, radio, all of that. Uh, so I got involved in uh, newspapers pretty quickly. I was on the student paper at my high school mm-hmm. um, and then went to Arkansas State University in Jonesboro, which has a fantastic um, communications college and um, a, a radio TV studio and a newspaper with a printing press. I mean, the whole nine yards um, and uh, just fell in love there. You know, it, it's um, you probably hear, hear this story a million times on this show, but it's it that that was where I sort of found my people. Right. I mean, when I got on the college paper, you know, it you, goes you, either way. You find, You'd be surprised. Yes. It's either yeah, that well, people yeah. have have, have born, really sort of born with that bone in their body where they just have to be part of that conversation or other people tell me that they fell right into it backwards. So it goes really surprises me yeah. that it could be really either way. But that's so interesting yes. to hear because the student paper yes. is the foundation for so many of of your colleagues. It is. And I've, it's probably an interesting time for student newspapers right now, just because it's interesting times for for newspapers in general. Uh, and I don't know exactly where that that segment is these days, but I would think it, it still has to be very important for anybody, I think, who wants to be in any wing of journalism uh, anywhere to try to get involved in your student paper if you can, because you will learn so much, you know, just the practical doing of the thing it tells you it, it'll show you what you want to do and it will show you what you don't want to do. And that's often uh, even the more valuable lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was 
at Arkansas State University uh, from 1995 to 1999. Um, that was when Jonesboro um that that was where we had a school shooting. Uh, one of the one of the first sort of, I one of the, I guess the latter of the big, mm-hmm. you know, national attention grabbing school shootings uh, at Westside Elementary School, and so um, w- which was a horrible event. Um, but a lot of national news organizations called the college and wanted uh, stringers to help report the story, mm-hmm. uh, and so several of us went to work for different news organizations just to basically stringers really just to gather up what information we could figure out. Um, And I got a job, a stringing job through the New York times and quickly figured out that this type of journalism maybe wasn't for me. Um, I, you know, being that close to a tragedy, of course you don't always get to pick these, these things. um, And, and tragedy happens when you least expect it. And, and I admire the journalists who are able to cover those tragedies and they and do it very well and sensitively. Um, but as a college student, I just I, I felt like, oh, that, that was kind of a weird moment for me because I thought, do I really want to do this job? Do I want to be in this profession? I, I can't I can't go to a crying family member and and share their story. I, I just that felt really wrong to me. Yeah. Um and so, um, so I did not do a good job. <laughs> I completely botched the stringing assignment, but I learned a valuable lesson in that, well, maybe there are certain areas of journalism that you don't need to go into, but maybe there are other areas of journalism that you could go into. And that's sort of part of what led me here, I think, and, and that, that realization. Well, and, and I think that that's true. You know, so many, um, at least one of my other guests, several of my guests were at the Capitol during January 6th. And they talked about how uh, the differences between being a, a wartime uh, correspondent and being a Capitol Hill correspondent and how that particular day was a moment where they really got a, a very different um, perspective yes. and sense of how their colleagues really do that at a different time. And I think that that's true of some of those more, um, I mean, that really takes a very special um, brand of connection. I, my guest uh, earlier in the month, Larry Miller, talked about the fact that he was uh, positioned on a bridge during some freezing weather for over 22 yes, hours, uh, sort of, yes. you know, on the front lines. Um, and those, I think, how wonderful for you, though, that that opportunity presented itself so early and you could, you know, sort of have that moment to identify that as something that while you appreciate that that's something that's necessary and needed, maybe not necessarily something that's for you. Right. 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 Yes. Yeah. We, we, we were fortunate in, in, in and again, it, it was a tragedy and no one would, would wish for Never, that situation. No, of course not. Certainly. Um, but, but it, it does go to the, you know, there's a, there's a practical learning aspect that you get when you work in these kinds of student publications and, and it can be, it doesn't have to be a school shooting. It can be just anything reporting on meetings and, and going, covering city council and covering your college uh, governance and all of that. And it really shows you all the different kinds of things you can get involved in. Um, and it, and it teaches you to write really well, I think, and write quickly. Yeah. Uh, and to me, writing remains sort of the foundation I mean, you know, if all the things that have happened in the 20 something years since I've been in college, when the internet was just a glimmer of something. <laughs> it's um, changed so much since we got started. It, it has, uh, but writing remains, I, I believe at the core of it all. And if yeah. you can learn to write well, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and concisely and in an engaging way, 
uh, you can adapt that to almost any other medium. I think that that we can come up with, yeah, uh, no and, question, and be successful. And and I think it's I think it's value. There are there are a lot of people that you run across who just sort of have trouble with that that piece of it. And if you're missing that piece of it, that's that's a piece you need to work on. I, yeah. I feel like it's a foundational foundational piece that you really do need. Talk to me a little bit about Arkansas business because it is, mm-hmm. I know, a, a must read in your state because so much of the business and the economy all really intersect also with government and how the the process is really working there. I know um, you've got some really big uh, gold label companies that are there in the state that are making oh, a lot of news. And um, talk to me a little bit about the publication itself and how your process works. So uh, sure. Arkansas Business uh, was founded in 1984. Um, we are part of a of a niche publishing group, Arkansas Business Publishing Group here in downtown Little Rock. Uh, we publish more than 20 publications. Arkansas Business is the only weekly newspaper that we do, but we do a lot of annual guides and magazines and monthly magazines. Uh, we do a society magazine here locally. Uh, we have a, a bridal magazine that we put out a couple times a year. Um, we have a we have a, a, a web marketing and web development uh, advertising agency that we own called Flex 360 here in the building mm-hmm. uh, as well. Um, uh, so we do a little bit of everything. Sure. Arkansas business is just a piece of it, uh, but we've got about 80, 80 people right now. Um, our company just bought another uh, magazine publisher uh, called 360 West in mm-hmm. Fort uh, Fort Worth, Texas. Okay. Um, and so we're, we're, we're getting our, our toes in, in that water out there, which is an exciting market. But Arkansas Business has sort of been and remains the flagship uh, newspaper of, of this company. And we're a weekly newspaper. We have a daily website, arkansasbusiness.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of where I kind of come into the picture. Um, I, I met uh, Arkansas Business's then publisher, Jeff Hankins, at Arkansas State University. He was an Arkansas State alum mm-hmm. uh, and met him through those channels. Uh, and so when it was time for me to graduate and I was looking for a job, um, he, he swooped in at that at the right moment and offered me what is very rare in journalism when you're starting out, which is a Monday through Friday, nine to five uh, reporting job wow. for Arkansas Business Newspaper. It's it's just and I, ha- I feel I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm of two minds about it. On the one hand, I feel incredibly lucky to never have worked midnight shifts or chased <laughs> cops to, right. or cops or chased ambulances. But I also feel like maybe I missed out a little bit on that experience, too. I'm sure someone would be happy. Experiences. <laughs> someone I'm would sure be happy to give me that opportunity. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but uh, but so so that sounded appealing to me. Um, but at the time, it, we were a weekly newspaper and we had just the bare bones of a website. So this is in 1999. Right. Um, and uh, our one shot was our weekly newspaper. And we reported what we reported then. And then we had to wait another week. Um, and Jeff really had a vision for a website that would be a daily news provider of business news in Arkansas. Right. And we are our target audience is business decision makers here in Arkansas, business sure. and political decision makers. And so it's a small audience, mm-hmm. uh, but it's a mighty audience and it's a choice yeah. audience for advertisers. Um, and so uh, Jeff's vision was this website, ArkansasBusiness.com. And I volunteered to be the first online editor. And we launched that website in December 2000. Uh, and sort of the centerpiece of that website, in addition to just posting daily news uh, throughout the day as it happened, was a daily newsletter called The Daily Report. Right. And we send it out every day at noon or between 1130 and noon uh-huh. uh, with that day's business headlines. And so we were doing this in the early 2000s. And uh-huh. we had a host of other newsletters that were sort of divided up by 
by industry. So we've got a weekly manufacturing newsletter, okay. a weekly media newsletter, you know, all the, all the industry verticals that you might imagine. Sure. Um, but newsletters were a centerpiece of our strategy at the time. And wow. I cannot believe if I went back in time and told myself that we're still going to be doing newsletters in 23 years, I don't know that I would believe you, right. but and they they're remain everywhere. an integral part and they're mm -hmm. everywhere. That's Absolutely. right. I mean, that's, you know, you look at the Axios pieces and morning brew and uh, uh, punch bowl and just all the, all these newsletters, um, I mean, that, that's just the way to get going and make immediate impact. Absolutely. Uh, and they've evolved into something entirely different too. So, um, but that was how I, I really got involved was, was um, you know, I, I worked for the newspaper, I, I worked on the newspaper exclusively for about a year and a half, but then went full-time to the web mm -hmm. and then did that for the next 20 years. And that's, that's like the busiest, uh, that's the busiest beat. I, 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 when I came up, I was working in New Jersey couple months back, I talked to Steve Kornacki, who was uh, now, you know, as the MSNBC yes. and NBC and uh, omnipresent Steve Kornacki. But he at in, early in that time, probably around the same time that you were building your site, he was at a site in New Jersey called Politics NJ, which was also the same kind of model, the same kind of uh, breaking news must read, you know, happening in the moment and mm -hmm. really was informing that political and that business uh, audience in a way that people were craving, right? Because the model was changing. You were no longer waiting until the evening news to find out what was happening. You had to know in the minute right. so you could maneuver and change and adjust either it, whether it's your lobbying strategy or your political strategy or whatever it is. Um, and that has really shaped the way all news is consumed at this point. So really sort of cutting edge and new for you, I'm sure at the time, and, and Kornacki said this when we spoke, he said when he reported to his folks that he was going to be working on a website, they were for sure that he was unemployable or, you know, something to that degree because it was such a new concept to parents of, of journalism students, right? But, but what they didn't realize yeah, yes. and now probably do is that that was the trend and the, and the movement amongst uh, yeah. the reporting set for sure. Yeah, it, it, it's been amazing uh, how all that has developed. And then, um, of course, social media boomed in kind of the mid 2000s. Um, you know, Twitter became uh, a pretty big, important part of what we of what we do. We got on Twitter pretty early. And so we kind of translated that breaking news spirit to, to social media. Um, and that's when I thought, well, maybe the end of email is in sight when social media started started showing up. And, and, and I thought, well, maybe this is the new distribution platform of choice. Mm -hmm. um, but we've really gone back around now. Here to, we come again. You know, almost, <laughs> yeah. And no one wants to be dependent on social media, that's I think, right. and certainly not a publisher after all that we've been through and all that we've done. Um, so to have ownership of your own website and your own newsletter distribution service, uh, all that first party data that you can get from that about readers and have that direct relationship, uh, that's just been, I mean, it's this, that's been so important for us and continues to be just very important to how we how we even are, are thinking about the future of, of how we do things. Sure, sure. And, and and no question. I mean, it's come right back around with, with email. I'm surprised at how many more newsletters are coming online and how many people are offering uh, more and fresh and different content in a way that's that's even new to, you know, the, the entry of Substack and some of these other platforms that people yes. are bringing online. Um, Lance, I'm curious, uh, you've been at this for a while, but the, the state itself, I've, I've had a chance to visit and I uh, actually media trained a whole bunch of uh, uh, female um, legislators and uh, folks in, in Arkansas several years back now. So it's oh, been cool. a little while, um, but I've had a chance to be in the Capitol. It's a great 
great capital and a great state. I and it's busy. And, and you know, when you come yes. from New Jersey, we we think we're from the center of the universe. We think we're the most interesting state capital. But I know that that's not necessarily the truth. <laughs> um, now that I've come out and grown up, but I'm curious for you: is there is there a set of stories? Is there a story in particular? Is there something that stands out to you in the time that you've been a journalist that you're especially proud of? Something that you that you reflect back on and say, "Wow, that was that was a moment I really really enjoyed." Well, um, in in terms of sort of business intersecting with government, uh, there's a good one, and it, I think it continues to pay dividends in big ways and in ways that we are just now I think coming to grips with here in Arkansas or, or really starting to understand. Um, was um, the growth of our steel industry in Northeast Arkansas. And that's been a long time coming, like mm-hmm. a lot of things. Um, but it really kind of, well, we, we've had a steel industry in Arkansas for a long time, I, stretching back to the early 80s. Sure. Uh, we've had some pretty big um, steel producers in Mississippi County in extreme mm-hmm. Northeast Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nucor has been up there for a lot of years. Uh, then 2013, um, our, our then our, our then governor Mike Beebe uh, announced a deal to bring a 1.1 billion dollar steel mill uh, to Mississippi County, mm-hmm. and it's called Big River Steel. And that was an interesting story because um, it was enabled under an amendment to the U.S. Constitution called Amendment 82, which allowed Arkansas to borrow uh, a, a lot in bonds or, or, or to borrow a lot of money to, to, um, provide incentives for, for so-called super projects, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, these things can be controversial sometimes in terms of, you know, you talk about corporate welfare and giveaways or whatever. Um, but the legislature at the time really worked together to pass, um, what amounted to a, you know, a, you know, multi-million dollar incentive project to bring this project to Northeast Arkansas. And it was Mm -hmm. a project that frankly, some people weren't convinced was going to fly. Really? Uh, but a gentleman named John Carinti brought this project to the legislature. Uh, they passed a $125 million incentive package uh, and built this massive steel mill in Northeast Arkansas. And so for the last 10 years, that thing has been the cutting edge steel mill in the, in the state. Um, and eventually it caught the attention of U.S. Steel, which mm-hmm. is the steel maker yep. in, in the United States. Mm-hmm. And so U.S. Steel has in the interim bought Big River Steel and then uh, last year uh, announced plans to build a $3.3 billion additional steel mill in the area. Wow. Uh, and it's going to employ, you know, 700 people, 200 contract workers. I mean, it's going to be transformational to that region. That's great. And so the thought that something that that sort of happened 10 years ago with, with groundwork that really goes back to the 80s mm-hmm. is now coming to fruition, really transforming the economy of that region. You know, that's a that's a upper Delta region right. uh, where agriculture remains huge, um, but there's still a, a need for jobs, a need for good high paying jobs. You know, a lot of jobs left that region uh, mm-hmm. over a lot of decades. And so now the thought that we've got these, this giant economic engine in that area coming back. I mean, Arkansas, that Mississippi County is about to be the biggest steel producing County in the United States. Oh, that's exciting. Uh, which is, which is crazy to think about. Yeah, think sure about, is. I mean, Pennsylvania. Hello. That's right. <laughs> that's uh, right. The, you know, it's, it's amazing. So all that's, you know, in, in, in the South has benefited from some of that shift to, to, to this, you know, of course. From, from the North to the South, mm-hmm. uh, obviously cheaper labor and whatnot. But we're really, I think now in a, in a vantage point where we've got um, a, a prominent steel maker that could lead to 
perhaps electric automakers in Arkansas. We've got some electric vehicle startups in Arkansas that have moved headquarters here. We've got one called Canoe that's moved to Northwest Arkansas. Interesting. We've got another electric vehicle maker that's moved from California to Northeast Arkansas called mm-hmm. Envirotech. It's mm-hmm. started production already. Um, we have a lithium, uh, a burgeoning lithium um, uh, find in South Arkansas, extreme sa- Southern Arkansas, El Dorado area, uh-huh. Union County. Mm-hmm. Uh, lithium is a key ingredient for electric batteries. Yeah. So we've got all these pieces in place wow, that's to perhaps really cool. have an electric vehicle industry in Arkansas. And so that's the hope of economic developers. And, and all this work is sort of paying off. And we've had a front row seat to it at Arkansas Business. We've chronicled all this stuff every step of the way. Um, and it's been it's been really fun to watch. Well, that's terrific. And I think that that's the kind of thing, having spent some time in the, in the administration myself and spent some time talking and, and about the importance of bringing those kinds of industries uh, back in a smarter way to the U.S. where we can, yes. you know, be at the head and the front of technology in a way that's smarter, faster, quicker, uh, you know, more affordable, but also bring that um, that good economic growth to those regions is huge, it's huge. Right. And, um, and also just continues to bring up the quality of life for the people there too. So how fun for you to be sort of reporting from the front lines on that too. It's exciting. Um, I'm sure it was a little spicy though, because that is a big, that's a big, um, infusion of cash to uh, to yes, bring to that yes, kind of is. project but lucky for everybody yeah. involved it it looks like it's uh it's headed in the right direction that's fantastic absolutely there's there's a lot of folks behind the scenes of course for, to make something like this happen and, of and people locally on the ground in that county an economic developer named cliff chitwood has been a has been at hard at work on that project for for years uh and then multiple uh gubernatorial administrations here in Arkansas have worked on this. And so it's really, it's the best of what I think government and business can put together when, when everyone pulls in the same direction and we, we put our petty differences aside and we try to work for the common good. And so that's, that's, let's hope that's a trend in the right direction. (laughs) I hope so. I hope it is too. Absolutely. When I, uh, when I talk to folks like you who are in the editor space, I often talk about the fact that you are in an, a unique environment where not only are you receiving pitches from outside from public affairs people, you are also receiving pitches from inside the industry, in, or excuse me, inside the newsroom from folks who want to tell their story. Do you have words of wisdom or advice that you give to people as they bring you? And there's no magic answer, but is there something maybe that catches your eye if it's either coming from outside in or even inside the newsroom to you? Are there things that, that catch your eye that you think are are um, breaking through more than others, perhaps at this point? Well, uh, I will I will disclaim this by saying I've only been editor of Arkansas Business, the print edition, for a year, uh, so I'm still <laughs> learning a lot of things. Okay, good. Um, but uh, but I am so I don't I do not have all the answers by any stretch of the imagination. None of us uh, do. I'm fortunate. <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, I'm fortunate that I have a staff that's very experienced. I've, we've got people who've been on staff for 20 and 30 years. Awesome. Um, and so um, I'm very fortunate that that they know what they're doing. They know what to look for. They know what moves the needle. Uh, and 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 we, I mean, we've watched or I've watched for 20 years about the things that move the needle too. I mean, you know, we're always looking for dollar signs in Arkansas business. Of I mean, we, we want to know the value of things. Uh, we want to know what people are doing with their money. We want to know how much money people have. Uh, all of those things uh, are important to us and to our readers because, you know, we we sort of see ourselves as a 
in some ways as a guide to doing business in Arkansas. Uh, so the intelligence that we provide about uh, about the value of real estate, the value of investments, the value of companies, what the biggest companies are, and then and then the players, the people behind all the moves. You know who's doing what, who who got the promotion, um, who's going to lead this agency, what is their history. Um, you know, all the stuff about the people behind the deals is sense. very important as yeah. well. Yeah. So, you know, I just try to think about a business owner and, and and we have a breadth of those. I mean, obviously we've got, we've got the biggest companies in the world in Arkansas. Yes, you do. And then we've got the, yes, <laughs> Some you know, very got small ones. companies too. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, and that's the bulk of, of the readership, frankly. Uh, so what can we do to help business owners make decisions about, you know, how to uh, manage their workforce, sure. about how to control costs, about how to find people, which is so hard right now. Yeah. Um, you know, anything we can provide in those areas to what we think are of value. And then also just ways that you can connect in your community to other business leaders, uh, how you can make a difference in your community, how you can, how you can contribute to the economic well-being mm-hmm. of your community. Um, you know, we, we, we're always looking to do that in Arkansas. Um, it's interesting because we're a small state. And so everybody kind of knows everybody else in a weird way. I mean, you, you, Mm -hmm. you can't talk bad about anybody anywhere because somebody else is going to know who you're talking about. Um, (laughs) And they're going to tell them that you said it. (laughs) That's right. Exactly. But that's one of the cool things about doing business here is that, you know, you can get to people in power pretty easily. There's not a lot of levels of hierarchy here. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's a pretty compressed, um, you know, if you looked at an org chart of Arkansas, I mean, you can get to the governor pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people know each other and you can forge relationships really easily here. I love that. Uh, and in a, in a sincere way, too. Mm-hmm. People people honestly, I think, want to help each other here in Arkansas. So um, so if we can, you know, if we can help facilitate some of that, that that's a bonus for us, too. I get that. And I like the, I like that what you said is really the way I interpret it is try to build the story in your head ahead of time. What are the numbers? What are the impacts? Who are the players, right? Because it's like writing a script, right? What is the script and how is that relevant to the audience that you're looking to connect with? So that makes a lot of sense. Right. Um, And even when you're on the job, I think that's very sage advice. So thank you for that. Uh, Lance (laughs) is, yeah, it's one, it's one year in journalism though. So like, we know that that is quite a bit more in real life. (laughs) It's longer. Yeah. It's like dog years. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, Lance, as we get to the end of our conversation, can you uh, recommend for me someone that you work with in the journalism space uh, for a future episode of the podcast? Well, I have a whole list here, uh, but I but I was thinking about Wes Brown, uh, who I've known throughout the years. Wesley Brown, uh, he is involved in several publications here in Arkansas, uh, the Arkansas Delta Informer, which is new, um, and Black Consumer News, which is also new. Uh, I believe that's I believe that the website is blackconsumernews.com. I, I think that's going to be correct. Okay. Uh, but that's the name. Uh, and and he's also a publisher of the Daily Record, which is another um, uh, I believe a weekly publication here in Arkansas. Wow. Uh, and so he's involved in a lot of uh, a lot of new the the, the the two efforts that he's involved in that are, that are kind of new is the Arkansas Delta Informer and Black Consumer News, which is aimed at minority audiences. And so um, you know. We, we need to see more of that. We, we want to see that prosper. And, and Wes is just a fantastic guy. He's been around business and political circles for, 
for much longer than I have. Uh, he's worked uh, many, many places as both an, an editor and reporter, but also in corporate communications as well. And so he brings all that experience to bear on some of these new projects that he's working on here in Arkansas. And so I think he would be, I think it'd be fantastic. I have not told him that I was going to tell you this, but I think he would be a fantastic <laughs> guest on the show. Well, everybody likes to be nominated. Not everybody likes to serve, but that is also, everybody's very <laughs> grateful for, for all the kind words that we say. So I will let him know that you nominated him. And Lance, I am so, fantastic. so grateful for your time today. Thank Thank you. Thank you for being a guest. Sure. Thanks for having me. We, we were happy to be here. And that's today's Friday Reporter Podcast, a podcast in partnership with PR Daily, a tremendous and helpful guide for all things public relations. Find us there on their website and join us again for another episode soon. Thanks so much. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, Shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects.